All right, y'all, allow me to introduce y'all to Carrie. Go ahead and come up here, Carrie. Carrie, Carrie. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We had somebody come to church uh, it was a couple weeks ago, and they're like, are you the, are you the pastor? And it's like, yeah. Are you speaking today? Because you didn't speak last week. Mm, nope, not speaking today either. Well, when's the next time you're speaking? I was like, August. August <laughs> is the next time I'm speaking. Because, guys, we're in our summer series. And so over eight weeks, I just want to give everybody in here that has an anointing to speak an opportunity to come up here and speak to you guys. And you guys, most of you guys know Kerry. Um, I would say that his spiritual gift is actually prophecy. <laughs> Maybe. Which is a hard gift to have, actually. But he's, he's kind of the prophet in our church, which I'm very thankful for him. You've been around for, like, I feel like since the beginning, since yeah. this church started Pretty about much. 11 years ago. Been, been faithful. He's faithful to always encourage the leadership here. Um, he's faithful to always be supportive. And he's just a mighty man of God. You've had a long run in ministry. You used to be in, in kids' ministry, and, and you've kind of done all sorts of things. So, guys, we're really blessed to have him here, and just open your hearts and, and receive what he has to give us this morning. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that, Kerry. Man, that was some awesome praise and worship, wasn't it? I mean, you know, if that didn't fire you up a little bit, your wood's wet. Um, today, Cade called me and asked me, he said, Kerry, can you do a message? And, you know, it's been a while since I've been up here. And I'm going to, is it okay if I'm transparent with you today? I mean, I'm going to be real. Uh, I I hesitated. And I called him back and said, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, And it got me to thinking. And I thought for maybe a week, and I told Kate, I said, I got it. I had it in 15 minutes. It just hit me. And I know what I'm supposed to talk about. And uh, I don't know if you realize it or not, sometimes when preachers are in the pulpit, they're actually preaching to themselves. I mean, and and let me tell you a quick story about two boys. There was a a very optimistic boy, and there was a very pessimistic boy. And a scientist decided to take these boys and put them in two rooms that were transparent rooms. They could see each room. And in one room... They put a boy in the room, these boys were twins by the way, put them in the room, in the one room, and there was toys everywhere, brand new toys, all kinds of cool toys. I mean, every toy a boy would want was in that room. And then they took the other boy and put him in a room right next door, and it was full of manure, (laughs) poo, crap, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it was full of it. So the scientist started observing the boys, and he observed the boys in the room with all the new toys. And the boys started looking over and seeing that room full of poop and started comparing and started thinking, I don't know, these might not be that great after all. Look at all that poop. So how many knows we got a thing here about not getting caught in the comparison trap? Amen. Well... The, the scientist started watching the boy, and pretty soon he started saying, well, I don't know. I mean, that might break if I play with it. Or, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I know how to play with it. I, and he just sat there. He got brand new toys, and he just sat there. Then he goes over, and he starts looking at this other boy in this room full of crap. And he started looking at him, and he was like, and then all what he saw was chips, poop chips flying everywhere. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And he said, what are you doing? He said, you can't fool me, mister. There's a 
horse underneath this stuff somewhere. <laughs> well, there's two different types of people. And you can find yourself falling in to one of those two types. And if you're not careful, you end up falling into the poop side. Well, you remember I told you I was going to be a little bit transparent with you today. Well, I've been a little stinky the last couple of years. I call Pastor Mark stinky. So I haven't been you. I've been stinky, stinky, stinky. <laughs> had some problems. Had some things that I've went through. And it's been a battle. And a lot of times they'll call that a desert experience. Now, I don't know if you've ever been through a desert before, but it's dry, it's hot, it's not fun. Now, it's cool if you're just visiting, you're there for a day or two, and then you leave. But I'm telling you, people, when you're there day on day, week on week, months on months, year on year, it really starts to drag you down starts to wear you out. And I caught myself, and I came to Scripture. I'm calling this your winner, not a wiener, by the way. You are winners. How many say, how many, everybody raise your hand and say, I'm a winner. Not a wiener. Okay, all right. So that, that's what I'm calling this whole thing, because truthfully, that's what I was reminded of. My kids would go to bed every night, and when they go to bed, I, every night it was a ritual. I would go in, and I'd say, I'm the head. I'd make them repeat everything after me. And I'd say, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. I'm a child of God. I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, I went through this for like five minutes with them, then I'd get to the end, and I'd say, I'm a winner, not a wiener. And then I'd say, and your dad's a stud. They'd kind of look at me like, okay. Um, but they'd say it. <clears throat> and so Psalms 30, verse 5, let's read that. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. How long? Yeah. Weeping may endure for a night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Y'all, joy comes in the morning. It's coming. Now, our days and nights aren't the same as the Lord's. So I'm sitting here two years into this thing, year and a half, and I'm really starting to get frustrated. I mean, I'm, I'm really starting. And, and how many knows it's really cool when you have a spouse and your spouse is on the opposite end of the scale and it kind of weighs you out and brings you to the middle? Well... It don't always work that way. Sometimes your spouse is on the same end of the scale you are. And when that happens, I'm telling you, it's a rough ride. But this scripture came to me, and it was like joy comes in the morning. Well, the morning can be now. It can be tomorrow. It can be tomorrow morning. Joy's going to come. This is going to break. Breakthrough song today was awesome. I mean, you got breakthrough coming today. Those of you that have been struggling and pulling through situations in your life and you just don't think it's ever going to end, I'm telling you, breakthrough's coming. Breakthrough's coming in marriages. Breakthrough's coming in health. Breakthrough's coming in work. Breakthrough's coming in your children. Breakthrough's coming everywhere you get. Because guess what? Everything you set your hand to prospers. Amen? <clears throat> So, you know, I tell, I tell you, as I sat there, I realized I was dealing with depression. 
I've never, ever, and when I say this, I can honestly say it, I've never had depression problems. Never. I mean, Tim, you've known me for 25 years. I've never had a depression problem. But I found depression trying to sit on me, and it was like a big weight on both my shoulders, and it was pushing me down. And you know how you say, oh, suck it up. Or, oh, you know, you're faking it. Or, oh, depression's not a real thing. That's like saying addiction isn't a real thing. I mean, if, if you're overweight, you've got an addiction. And you don't need to be pointing your fingers at anybody else because when you do, three are pointing right back at you. I mean, that's an addiction. I mean, it can be an addiction to anything. And you're putting it before God. Well, I started asking myself, how do I get through this depression, God? How do I get through this thing that I'm dealing with? And he gave me some points. And the first point is, remember how good God has been, and why wouldn't he be that way now? Have you ever thought, I mean, why, if he's done it before, why, why wouldn't he do it again? I mean, are you questioning whether he did it the first time? No, when you look back on it, you know. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9. However, we possess this precious treasure. How many knows? I mean, I'm talking precious treasure. The divine light of the gospel. This thing is like, mm, mm. This is good stuff. In frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. You know, there's formulas you try and implement, you find yourself trying to implement sometimes, and the answer is just not the formula. The answer is in here. But you've been around it. I've been around this for, since 1985, heavy. And I was trying to do things on my own. I was trying to take medication. I was trying to do the things that, but I knew what to do, but I didn't do it. And I'm wandering around in the desert, and I'm like, I'm not doing it. And it, and it hit me. Let, me. let me see that remote there, buddy. Um, it's kind of like a remote. You know, some people walk around, and they're looking at this remote, and they grab a bag of popcorn, and then they watch reruns of all their failures. Watch reruns at disappointment. You know, you need to learn to change the channel. If you're watching disappointment and failure all the time, sooner or later, you're going to get stuck in a rut. You got to pull yourself out. And you got to take the remote. You got to change the channel. Everybody say, change the channel. I'm not watching that junk no more. Amen? You know, and, and what you do is you have to remember one time when God was good to you. Just one time's all it takes. But I have several that I started pulling out of me. And the first one was when we were youth pastors in Mountain Home, Arkansas. There was either worked for a trucking company or Baxter Labs or you owned your own business or you didn't make much money. And I lost my job. They were moving locations. We didn't want to move. 
decided to stand on God's word and his faith because we were youth pastors and we felt like we were supposed to stay there. And at the time, we're called to the church, so we're staying. And, you know, it really got rough to the point to where I was using assistance. I was doing whatever I had to do to make food for my family because at the time we had Sandy, two, two kids, Brittany and Aubrey. And it got to the point where we had no food, none. I mean, she had done the beans and the rice and all that stuff till it just wore out. And then we were at the peanut butter, commodity peanut butter until it wore out. I mean, we were, we were doing whatever we could do. And all of a sudden, one day I get this. I open the door and it's a guy named Jim Fair. And I'll never forget it. He said, hey. How's it going? I said, oh, okay. He said, ah, it's going to go better now. He said, come out here with me. He took me out to his van, and he had the whole back end of his van full of groceries. I mean full. And it was right when we were running out. And they didn't have the things like they have today here where you go and you get, you know, a little setup once a month or whatever. In Mountain Home, Arkansas, they just didn't have that. They had a couple of little food pantries, maybe. And, you know, he was the kind of guy that would come up to me and he'd shake my hand. And how many knows those Pentecostal handshakes? Yeah. Mm, baby, you know, that $100 bill with the hand, you know, shifts into your hand and you're going, whoo, glory, God heard me and you heard God. Yeah, amen. You know, and then it reminded, I, I, what came back to me was a car and the transmission had been out. We were youth pastors still in the same place. And I wanted to take the youth, and I wanted the youth to get ministered to so bad. I wanted them, this guy was a, uh, he, he operated in uh, Word of Wisdom, Word of Knowledge. He was, he was anointed. And it was a church we were visiting. I took a busload of kids over to the church. We just set them all up in the pews, and I'm going, come on, God, come on. And through the service, you know, it was, it was, it was going, it was good. And at the end, they took up the offering. Well, my car transmission had went out. And this was about the time the whole grocery thing was going on. And so I was like, Lord, what am I going to do? And I was thinking about those kids, but the evangelist stopped in the middle of the offering, walked up to the podium and said, you, sir. And I was sitting back, you know, with, behind the kids. He said, you need to come here. And so I walked up there and he said, I'm giving all of today's offering to you. And I was like, Glory. <laughs> And it was just enough to finish the transmission job. It was perfect amount. You know, so that's two things I thought of. Then I thought the third thing. Pull up the first picture, Mason. This is when I found out that I was cancer-free because I'd been diagnosed with cancer. And I remember coming to church, and I remember Mark talking to me, and he said, this isn't going to get you. How many knows it's important to have friends around you that speak life into you, that encourage you, that, that, that are there to speak encouraging words to you, not cry with you? Sometimes you need to be told, it's going to be okay. Quit doing that. And then that song you sang today, the third one, that's when I got the revelation. I remember we were in Collinsville, Oklahoma, at the church in Collinsville. And I was sitting down on the floor. And I heard that song, and I was like, this is mine. This is my victory. 
He did the other things. Why won't he do that? And then, is there, how many pictures are there? There's three. Go on, right here, get home, look at Sandy. She's like, huh? <laughs> but, but that's when we were celebrating, beating it, because, let me see, 12-19-2011, uh, I was determined to be cancer-free. So you can go to the next slide. And there's my little appreciation and achievement for what I did. But I didn't do it. God did. Because he gave me the biggest dose of chemotherapy he could give somebody. He said, we're going to pound you because you're big. You're a huge man. Well, so that got through, and I got through that problem. And then my back was bothering me. And it kept bothering me. And I couldn't golf. And I couldn't do the things that I like to do. So I went in for a surgery. I go in for the surgery, and this happens. I'm put in a coma. I was sitting in a hospital for about a week in a coma. It was three surgeries later. The first one was botched, put a hematoma on the base of my spine. They sent me to another hospital. They wouldn't mess with me because they didn't do the original surgery. They sent me to another hospital. The guy that owned the original place came over and did the surgery and had to do another surgery after that because the Second one didn't take. And by the third surgery, I was just, I was toast. And uh, I remember right before he did the third surgery, I prayed for him and I said, you know, I'm believing I'm in the right place at the right time. So you do what you got to do. And he put me in that coma. And let me tell you something. If anybody ever tells you that they can't hear you when you're out, they're wrong. I'm telling you, I saw things and, and heard things. Sandy would play Kenneth Hagin healing tapes in the background, and I heard Kenneth Hagin preaching. But then I would hear this, and I saw temples, and it was the call to worship. And then I'd hear Kenneth Hagin, and he'd preach louder. Then I'd see, and they'd try and get louder. Well, then Kenneth Hagin got louder. And it just kept going back and forth, and pretty soon, Kenneth Hagin was screaming. And, it, and then I look over here, and all of a sudden, it goes, poosh, and it just went away. It was the Word destroying what wasn't the Word trying to come against me. And then while I was in that deep state, I had people visit me, and I knew who they were. Aubrey would come in, and she that's one of my daughters. Aubrey would come in, and she has these Eeyore eyes. If any of y'all know Aubrey, I mean, she's kind of, hello, you know, she just kind of moves you through life. Well, I, you know, it, it, I saw her Eeyore eyes. Then Haley comes in, one of my other daughters, and she walks in, and I saw her big old puppy dog eyes. And then Destiny walks in. I see an aura around Destiny of joy and peace. And then I got a little concerned because I didn't see Brittany, my oldest daughter, but I heard her. And I asked when I woke up, I said, where was Brittany? They said, she was here. I said, well, I heard her. I thought I was just thinking about her. And they said, no, when she came, they asked her not to stimulate you. So she sat in the corner of the room and sang worship songs that you used to sing to her when she was a baby. And that's what I heard. And then Sandy would come in the room, and I would see Sandy. 
and I could see she was concerned. And at the point when she was concerned, I said, all right, God, this is enough. I've rested enough. It's time to come out. And then I saw Mark and Gina come in. It was really weird because I saw two people, but it was one thing. It was like you were just one. And when I saw all that, I thought, you know what, God, I'm not done. It's not time. Because I'm telling you right now, it'd be real easy to slide over because it's, I mean, it's peaceful. If you got Jesus in your heart, you're cool. Amen? And, and uh, so I started fighting, and I knew the next picture when I came out of the coma, I thanked God because I knew he was the one that brought me through. And as I went on through rehab, that's Willow. Willow taught me how to walk again. I couldn't walk when I was done. Willow would stiffen up next to me, and, and it would help center my body. And uh, at, when we were done, I liked this part. It was the treats. I'd give Willow a treat. I'd say, sit. She'd sit down, and I'd give her a treat. Roll over. She'd roll over. I'd give her a treat. Bark. Roof. Give her a whisper. Roof. I was like, oh, that's a cool dog. I want one. So, so you know, at that point, uh, I had overcome. I'd got my walking back, still had some challenges, still do today. But God's not done. He's not finished. His day is not my day. But he's got my day coming, and I know he does. But I did, you know, sometimes you're supposed to do in the natural and let God work the supernatural. So I thought, I need to lose weight. So the next picture you see, well, that's me after I'd done the stairs the first time. Keep going. That's when I graduated and got to walk out of that place. Right there. See, Mark? That's me before, after I decided to do in the natural what I could do. I went from 405, and I'm down to 220. And it's a battle. It's a battle to go through that. But I did it. And God's taken me through. And what happens is he reminds you. It's important to have pictures. It's important to have testimonies. It's important to have those things. Because what happens is there's a power in reflection. But it takes you to a power of anticipation. And there's great power in anticipation. And I'm anticipating some great things in this church, some breakthroughs today, some people that have been dealing with things for a long time that you're tired of dealing with it. You're fed up. Today's your day. Let's go to point two. Remember who you are. I'm going to read a few scriptures. Let's go to 1 John. For whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. You're victors. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. Who is it that is victorious over, that conquers the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on that fact? You are. Let's look at John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have what kind of peace? Perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have How many's had those things? 
But be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undoubted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Why are you doing all that work? Why are you doing that four-letter word when you got somebody that's already done it? Amen? Amen? Let's skip a scripture and go to Philippians 4.13. How many know this one? I have the strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. In other words, you're not doing it. You're good because Christ is doing it in you. Amen? When you know who you are as a child of God, you are the devil's personal nightmare. That's absolutely true. That's what he does not want you to know. If you figure out who you are, if you figure out what your rights are as a child of God and what he has for you, there's no stopping you. I'm telling you, he will scream like a little sissy, duck his tail, and run. He does not like it when you figure out who you are. Point number three, remember who Jesus is. Let me read this to you out of my Bible. This is Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. That's relationship. Okay? I shall not want. That's supply. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Oh. How many need rest? That's rest. He leads me beside still waters. Ah, how many have ever taken a drink? Refreshing. That's refreshing. He restores my soul. That's healing. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. That's guidance. For his name's sake, that's purpose. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's testing. We don't like that word, but that's testing. I fear no evil. Protection. For you are with me, faithfulness. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. That's discipline, because sometimes, how many know we need discipline? Amen? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's hope. You anoint me in my head with oil. That's consecration. My cup runneth over. That's abundance. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's blessings. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, security, forever. That's eternity. We're talking forever. You know, if you research it, I encourage you to look. So I don't know how much time I got left. I'm good? You know what, then? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. You ready for this? In Genesis, because we're talking about who Jesus is, Remember? In Genesis, Jesus Christ is the seed of the woman. Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. Leviticus, he's our high priest. Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. Judges, he's the judge and lawgiver. Ruth, he's the kingsman redeemer. 
First and second Samuel, he's the trusted prophet. Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. Ezra, he's the rebuilder of broken down walls of human life. Esther, he's our Mordecai. Job, he's our ever-living redeemer. Psalms, he's our shepherd. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's our wisdom. How many need wisdom? In Song of Solomon's, he's the loving bridegroom. Yeah, I like that one. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch. Limitations, he's our weeping prophet. Ezekiel, he's the wonderful four-faced man. Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Hosea, he's the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. Joel, he's the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. Amos, he's our burden bearer. Obadiah, he's the mighty to save. Jonah, he's our great foreign missionary. Micah, he's the messenger of beautiful feet. Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. Habakkuk, revive the work in the midst of the years. Zephaniah, he is our savior. Haggai, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. Zechariah, he's the fountain upon the house of David and sin of uncleanness. Malachi, he's the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. Matthew, he's the king of Jews. Mark, he's the servant. Luke, he's the son of man. John, he's the son of God. Acts, he's the savior of the world. Romans, he's the righteousness of God. Corinthians, he's the rock that followed Israel. Thank you. Second Corinthians, he's the trumpet, triumphant one giving victory. Galatians, he's the, your liberty. Ephesians, he's the head of the church. Philippians, he's your joy. Colossians, he's your completeness. First and second Thessalonians, he's your hope. First and second Timothy, he's your faith. He's your stability. Philemon, he is your benefactor. Titus, he's the truth. Hebrews, he's your perfection. James, he's the power behind faith. First and second Peter, he's your example. He is purity. First and second and third John, he's your life. He's your pattern, and he is your motivation. Jude, he's the foundation of your faith and revelation. He's your soon-coming king. Amen. That's who Jesus is. When you really start looking at that stuff and start getting it down into you, and you realize who you are, and you realize who Jesus is, I'm telling you, you're going to break through. You're going to get through that difficult marriage. You might be in a desert in the marriage. You might get through that healing that you've been looking for. You might get through that job promotion that you've been trying to get. But you got to know who you are, and you got to remember the things he's done, and then you got to remember who he is. Amen? Go to Hebrews 11, 1, 6, 34. Now faith is assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. Being the proof of things we do not see in the conviction of their reality. Faith perceives as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Keep going. But without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Because of faith, the walls of Jericho fall down. How many need a wall to fall down? Amen. It fell down after they had been encompassed for seven days by the Israelites. Prompted by faith, Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed along with those who refused to believe and obey because she had received the spies in peace without enmity. And what shall I say further? In other words, crud, I could go on forever. For time would fail me to tell Gideon. 
Barack, Samson, Jephthah. That's the one me and Mark were talking about. How do you say that? <laughs> Jephthah. And David and Samuel and the prophets, who by the help of faith subdued kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promised blessings. How many want blessings? Closed the mouths of lions. How many are tired of that thing yapping at you? Extinguished the power of raging fire. Escaped the devouring of the sword. Out of frailty and weakness, one strength and became stalwart, even mighty and resistless in battle, routing alien hosts. Man, that sounds like that's kicking butt mode. <laughs> Amen? I mean, in the Old Testament, let me see that. In the Old Testament, they had what they call milestones. Anybody heard of a milestone? That's where they put out these stones to remember their great victories. Some of y'all need to pull out your milestones and put them out where you can see them. Remind yourself. Maybe it's something as simple as putting a note on your bathroom mirror. You need to pull out those milestones and remember how good God's been. Now, back in Old Testament, the, the staff was more than what you think it is. You know what they did with the staff? They were a nomadic people. And the nomadic people, that means they, they, they wandered around a lot. And what they do is they would keep track and record of all the good God had done for them. Right there. Oh, look at that. Man, God delivered me from the lion. Ooh, God delivered me from the bear. Ooh, God made that stupid curse go right over my house. Ooh, look at that. The giant is dead. I can just see Moses. He's out there at the Red Sea. He takes his staff. He raises it up. And he looks. Oh, yeah. Why not? He's done it before. He'll do it again. They just took off down through that Red Sea like nothing was going on. You know, David, David went to battle with what? Slingshot and his staff. Why do you think he had a staff? <laughs> I always want to say lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. It's not lions and tigers, but lions and bears. Lions, bears, all the things. And David looked at that and goes, you're toast, buddy. I'm going to kick your butt. And now I'm going to take your head and I'm going to feed it to the fowl. And he did it. Sometimes we need that power of reflection so that we can have that power of anticipation and the ability to win. Some of y'all are here today. You've been through those battles. I want the band to come back up. I'm going to play that last song while we're ending. Uh, you, you might be in a, a desert period of any sort. You could have been dealing with the things that just drag you down. You can be frustrated. It's okay. We've all been there. But it's not okay to stay there. What you got to do is you got to have a fighting spirit. You got to have the revelation that you know God is good. I want to give you an opportunity to give before we get out of here today. How many of you guys realize that giving is an opportunity? It's an opportunity to guard yourself against greed because when we get caught up in greed, we're, we can't do the Lord's work.
because they're they don't they don't go together. So um, as you give today, I want you to thank God that He's using it in a great and mighty way. He's using it to impact this church. He's using it to impact our community and all around the world. You guys know the ministries that we support. And every time you give, you're a part of that, that support. So if you're giving by cash or check, you can go ahead and raise your hand, and one of these guys will bring you an offering envelope. If you're giving by debit or credit card, use the instructions on the screen. Or if you're giving online because you're listening to this message after the fact, just head over to nolimits.fyi in your browser. All right, y'all. How many of y'all are enjoying small groups this summer? How many of y'all are not part of a small group? I'm not going to point you out. David! All right, we're finding David a small group. (laughs) You know, when Carrie was speaking, something that came to mind, and it made me remember how um, the Holy Spirit's really moving, like not just in my life, but in the lives of others in this church. And this last small group, uh, Tuesday mornings, we have the entrepreneur small group. And afterwards, Chris Wills up here was sharing an idea, a business idea that he had. And there was just this something like way down deep here that's just like ding, 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 ding. I was like, Chris, like you found it. Like, cause he's like, he's been searching and he's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He's just had this entrepreneurs, like he's tried some things that didn't work. And if you've ever been on the entrepreneurial journey, you've done the same thing that takes a while to find the thing that does work. And I, Man, the Holy Spirit was just like, like I just was about to explode at Cracker Barrel. I'm like, this is it. This is it. And I think we should all be expecting the Holy Spirit to speak to us, like to be guiding us that way. And the more I, I I've been reading Ephesians over and over and over. And, and it's really clear in Ephesians that like God's given us the Holy Spirit like as a gift. And, and we should be, li- he's, he's talking to every one of us like all the time. It's just the question only, the question is not, is he talking to you? The question is, are you listening to what he's saying? Because he's always talking to you. Are you listening? And so often it's just so easy to write it off. You're like, oh, that was just one of my stupid ideas or whatever. Because you know, when the Holy Spirit talks to you, it just comes out of nowhere. You're just like, what? I was like, ah, oh, that's just me. And something I learned at a recent conference I went to is instead of saying, that's probably me, but it might be the Holy Spirit. Switch that around and say, it's probably the Holy Spirit. It could be me but it's probably the Holy Spirit because then you're going to start seeing those directions a lot differently instead of just writing them off as your own thing. Amen. All right, let's pray over our offering. God, we, we're so grateful to be here and to, that you've given us the heart of givers, that you've put generosity on the inside of us and that through our giving, we're making a difference and you're multiplying it in our lives. You're multiplying it in this church and you're multiplying it all around the world. God, you're blowing our minds with what you're doing through our giving. And we thank you for what you're going to do in the future. It's only going to go up from here in Jesus' name. Amen.